Hello, hello, hello. It is Stu. It is the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And this is something I have not done in a in a while. I have not opened my book of business, meaning the gym owners and business owners I work with on a monthly recurring level in a hot minute because of COVID, because of my license model and urban movement stuff. Just really, really busy with that. But I have opened the book back up. For those of you guys who don't know, I only work with 40 micro gym owners and fitness business owners per month. That's it. It's the max that I do. I work with people. I literally month to month level, no contract. You get access to me for either 30 minutes once a month or one hour once a month. You get full access to micro gym university. You get a bat phone to me where you can text call, video message, whatever it is, audio message, and we can be in contact in between our calls. And that's how I go ahead and create custom tailored solutions to your business problems. So if you're looking to work with somebody where you're not stuck in some douchey fucking 12 month EFT contract, you have to give your banking information, you got to spend $6,000 up front, you literally want to get on a call, talk with me in real life, just me, where I just listen to you, talk to you, we talk about your problems, I come up with a solution, an executable plan, and then we tackle it together. And then in between that, you want Microgym University and be able to access me when you have you know, a fire go off in your business on a random Tuesday or some shit pops off late at night and you want my opinion on it, then shoot me a DM, let me know, because this is the first time I'm opening up to go back to 40 per month and it's going to fill up quick. Guys, we're going to get into the podcast here in a second, but just thank you for listening to the pre-roll. And I really do hope, like my goal is to work with as many of you guys in some capacity. If it's for one month, two months, fucking three years, I don't give a shit. But if you got some problems and you want someone to bounce ideas off of and help you create an executable plan of action, I hope that I'm your fucking guy. All right, on to the podcast. Alrighty. What is up, guys? It is Stu, and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And I have uh, my friend, colleague, and a fellow podcaster, Eric Malzone, on the podcast. Eric, you the main one we were talking about is the future of fitness, and we were just wrapping on this beforehand, it is your, your main podcast. You're also involved with Joel Jameson's company, Morpheus, um, wearable tech, HRV, whoop, competitive kind of model. Um, I've got to see some of the stuff you guys are doing with that, which is very cool. But uh, listen, man, I've, I've been on yours. Uh, I've been on several of your shows and, and I want to talk about this. You're a fitness guy. You have a fitness background. You've got the gym experience, former micro gym, you've got all that and we could jam on that all day, but I'm so much more interested in your early adoption of podcasting. You got onto it earlier than most. I re- I mean, I didn't get into it until maybe 2018 or something, and I hate it because I don't listen to podcasts. It's just not a part of my daily thing. I was so late to the game. You were ridiculously early. Why did you move to that media so quickly? And when? What was the first year you started uploading? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for being on. Um, just to hear welcome to What the Fuck Gym Talk and being part of that uh, is really exciting. I, I looked at my calendar on Monday and I saw this coming up. I was like, this is the thing I'm most excited about. So it's, it's, uh, it's really <laughs> thrilling more, to be on You need here. more interesting shit going <laughs> yeah, on in your yeah, life yeah, is what that means, buddy. It's been, yeah, it's been a long <laughs> week. Uh, yeah, so getting into podcasting, man, I started in um, not too much earlier than you, actually. I think my first one released in November of 2017. And why did I start it? I 
for a lot of reasons, really, I've always enjoyed podcasting. You know, I started listening to it. And I'm like, what a cool medium. It's so independent. You can do whatever you want. And, and what would you listen to? Like, what were your first ones? Yeah. You know, I, Joe Rogan. Sure. Has always been my, you know, it's been my guiding light. That guy's an inspiration. If I, I know he's still alive, but if you ask me that game of like, if you could pick five people dead or alive, who would you have at your dinner your, table? Your Mount Rushmore kind of. Scenario. Yeah. Yeah. It would Joe Rogan would be on there. Anthony Bourdain. Um, we don't have to get into that, but uh, I always enjoyed the medium and I just thought it was pretty cool. And actually Doug Holt, who was a, a colleague and friend of mine at the time, he's like, man, you should start a podcast. And to give you a little background of why I did really and some of the motivations behind it was that I had sold my gyms in 2017 earlier that year. And my wife and I uh, had decided to go nomadic. We're like, well, hey, let's go. I remember I came home one night and I was like, hey, I, I want to sell the gyms. We talk about living in this mountain town someday. What if we just made someday today? And she's like, hmm, first of all, are you fucking with me? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Uh, she's like, well, why don't we go live in a bunch of them? I'm like, that sounds great. What pushed so, you to that real quick? Just to, just, just to get some more context is what pushed yeah. you to just one day? Cause it's not just one day. It's generally like, it, you know, you had like a dream sure. or a buildup that was different than your current situation. Sure. Yeah. It was, uh, well, it was nine years of gym ownership, um, multiple gym owned gyms. And it, it, that, if anybody's done that for that long, they know it takes a burly type of individual to kind of carry it on. Uh, and the gym was great, you know, it was profitable, um, made me a good living. Um, also, we had a really difficult 2016 personally. We had just a series of loss uh, in our lives. And it was one of those things where your chemistry kind of changes and you 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 get granted a, a higher level of urgency, I guess, in the things that you want to do. And that was something that just triggered my whole thought. And, you know, I just wasn't dealing with the stresses at the gym the way I used to. And it was just deteriorating my, my health and my mindset. And I'm like, you know, now's the time. Like if I stick in this for another year, I don't like where it's going. And uh, so that was it really. There was, there was a lot of reasons, a lot of things that kind of mixed into that, that bag of emotions that made the decision, but we did. And it's turned out really well. I'm super happy we did. But as I started doing that dream, like, well, I'm nomadic. I, I don't really know what I'm going to do next. Uh, I started a digital marketing agency with a friend and I'm like, well, how do I, if I'm not somewhere, I'm like, how am I going to start getting my name out there? How am I going to start building this network? And, um, you know, podcasting seemed like a really good way to do it. And first all it was, was just me when my, my MacBook and some, uh, some earbuds and, you know, calling up people I knew, uh, I think Sherman, uh, from two brain was one of my first, okay. uh, guys on the show. And then, you know, on episode three or four, I emailed Dan John and, uh, I was shocked within like 15 minutes. He responded to my email, gave me his phone number. He's like, sure, let's just call me tomorrow. I was like, what? Uh, yeah, this yeah. is Dan John. This is and, legendary strength coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I just started really enjoying it. I, I personally wouldn't want to ever go back and look at my first or listen to my first 10 episodes uh, ever again. Um, it's but, such, it's so good. I, so I literally, I used to go back before the YouTube, uh, cleanse and I got, I got booted off, but I had a couple OG <laughs> ones in there that I look at the lighting and the, the videos I made. I was like, Oh my God, I really had the balls to put that out. Like I really thought hitting the <laughs> upload button was a good, but it's a good, but if we wouldn't have hit the upload button, if we would have over analyzed it and tried to make it perfect, we wouldn't be sitting where we are today. Yeah. And it just, I, there's two scary buttons record that's the first scariest button. You got to have the balls to even just film yourself. And then upload is the second scariest button. 100%. I was, uh, you know, I, I looked at it like this too. And no offense to my first early guess, but I did look at my first 20 as, as throwaways. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to, I just got to get this out there. I got to learn the process, um, learn technology. Because you can, you can, there's a million reasons not to start. 
right? It's like, well, I don't have the right software. I don't have the right microphone. Um, I don't have the right lighting. I don't have the right guests. I don't have the right questions. Like you can, a million reasons, right? But you just have to hit record and trust in the process. And um, that's what I did. And, you know, it's been almost 700 interviews later, um, not counting the ones I've been on. And uh, it's been a really cool journey. And there's, like I was telling you before you recording, I can give people so many reasons to start a podcast uh, for just about any case, right? Whether it's business development, whether it's just content creation, or if it's just you like to learn, uh, there's a million reasons to do them. What was your big one? So, you know, you're nomadic at that point. You're like, okay, how do I need, I want to increase my network. I want to increase my influence. I'm going to start this. And I'm, again, I'm going to just go fishing and hope I get guests. And you're landing Dan John and guests, you know, you're getting people in. What was the end goal for like, okay, for me, my like podcasting was like, okay, I like videos. Maybe I can just extract the audio out of some of these videos and upload and I'm getting two for one. I'm being mm-hmm. more efficient with my with my time. That was my initial thing was just more content without having to do more. And then I got into monologuing and I got it, you know, I, I like a monologue even more than I like interviewing. And I, I kind of went down that rabbit hole. For you, yeah. what was the big goal? Like why why yeah. do it? Yeah. So it was different than yours. I think I wasn't really looking at it from a content creation perspective. I was looking at it because as a gym owner and being in the industry for so long, I just felt that there was innovation on the way, right? I'm like, you know, this model that we were running, um, you know, I was, wasn't a, a typical CrossFit gym, but I wasn't that far from the normal. Uh, you know, we ran group classes and personal training, some individual design, things like that. I'm like, you know, this model just seems kind of messed. And, and I knew technology really hadn't hit the industry yet. And, uh, I just knew a lot of things. And, and when I started the future of fitness, I was literally curious. I wanted to start asking people what they were doing and, and going on this educational run. And I use the, the, the hockey analogy all the time from Gretzky. I'm like, I want to see where is the puck going? Are we skating to where the puck is going? Or are we skating to where it is right now or even worse yesterday? And that was the impetus for it. And then I, I also just wanted to really start to build my network and I started using it to find clients. So at the time I was working uh, with Doug Holt and we had a digital marketing agency, just a little boutique agency. Yeah. I remember Doug, you guys, I was yeah. on, I was on your show, I think twice when you guys would cross That's interview. Right. Yeah. 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 He great dude. And you know, we, that it was a great business development because so many times um, I would have a conversation with someone, interview them, find out kind of what their challenges were. And then in post recording, I would just be like, Hey man, I, I or ma'am, uh, I can help you with that. Right. Sure. And that, that started a lot of the business development side of things, because I really, I mean, when you interview someone and you have them, you know, in this format, uh, you, you get a lot of information and, you know, it's, it's one of the few times too, Stu, that in our weeks that we probably sit down and we're fully intent, fully listening and one person, one conversation for 45 to 60 minutes. And that is, that's something special nowadays too. Yeah. It's interesting. I, uh, there's been times where I've interviewed a gym owner that for all intents and purposes, it, they haven't done anything extraordinary. They're not a big name in the game, but they're just a regular gym owner, but they have some kind of uh, very unique story that I think would be interesting telling. And we do this, you know, back and forth and just kind of like I'm sure you did in your some scenarios, there were times where I would interject some knowledge or I'd, I'd take a second to do a little business development or you might interject some marketing know-how, digital marketing. And before you know it, you're like, oh shit, that was a different form of a consultation or a client acquisition in which the individual and myself were completely, our guard was down. We weren't treating it like a sales scenario. 
And I was like, oh my God, I've picked up, I, you know, I picked up X amount of clients this year, just having them on the podcast. And it wasn't even the goal. It just so yeah. happened, just like you said, they divulged some information of insecurities and, uh, you know, weaknesses in the business. I have quick off the top of my head fucking solutions. So like, well, shit, if he's got that right there off the top of his dome, I'd love to see what he can do if he actually sits down and cracks our books. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this though, on the other front of that. When you're interviewing some individuals and you're talking with them and you've got, you had this digital marketing business on there. Um, did you ever, did you ever interview other people that technically competitors in the space, people who also do digital marketing in the fitness world? And did you ever like, did you ever create, you know, like me and Brandon Cullen over Metabolic, literally the same zip code competitors, but, you know, very much colleagues. It, who have you been with in that space? Because there's a lot of guys in the digital marketing space for fitness. Yeah. You know, I, the digital marketing thing, to be honest, I'm going to answer your question, but the digital marketing thing was short run. We probably only did it for about a year, year and a half and dug and had to go separate ways. And I, I honestly, I hated digital marketing, Really, but I okay. have been doing business coaching and consulting for a long time. Um, that's something that I just kind of picked up immediately without even knowing I was doing it. I just you sure. know, picked up a client here and there and that started happening. So on that front, on the business coaching and the, the consulting side of things all the time, I mean, I interviewed, you know, uh, well, you um, interviewed Pat Rigsby several times, yep. uh, Vince Gabriel, like all these people who we can be considered competitors all the time. And, you know, I think, uh, I think you and I have a similar mindset. I just, I stopped seeing that as competition. Now, if you caught me in the gym days back in circa 2015, 2016, everybody was my fucking competitor. It was cutthroat. I'm like, you know, and, and it didn't serve me well. I wish I yeah. could go back and change things, my mindset at that time, but now it's completely different. I, I just don't see it that way. I don't see it as a threatening. There's so many potential clients. And frankly, the clients I like working with, probably other people may not, may not be their cup of tea. Um, and, you know, I don't need a ton of coaching clients given all the things that I do. So I'm, I'm able to be selective on that. So I've never saw it as competition. I always saw it as a learn, a chance to learn. I mean, man, Pat Rigsby, if people don't know who he is, that guy's, He's a legendary business yes. coach. I would be fool not to interview that guy. Oh, of course. Nuggets from him, right? Um, and he ended up being part of my networking group and all these things. So yeah, I, I've, I, I don't see that as competition anymore. There's just, it's too big. The ocean's too big. You mentioned Rogan is like, is in again, you know, he's a, is such an early pioneer and he'll be, he'll go down in, uh, in our generation is probably one of the greatest interviewers ever for, just from, yeah. uh, density, the amount of interviews, even though you look at him, he's, he, you know, I think he's a more skillful interviewer than his like chimp primitive, you know, persona really maybe gives credit to who, what, uh, what things like from a him or someone else, like I, I'm a big fan. Like the only other podcast I really truly listen to on probably a regular basis is how I built this by Guy Raz. Oh, it's excellent. an NPR. Yeah. Yes. I love the storytelling, the original music scores that are tied to it. Uh, just the way that narrative is portrayed who, you know, besides Rogan or any of these ones that you listen to, what are some of the tactics and things you actually pull away, pulled from that, that you actually use today that you could share with anyone else who's possibly thinking of having, a, you know, starting a podcast or currently has one? Yeah. Well I, well, I think if you look at the interview format and, you know, if someone's going to start, I've helped a lot of people launch podcasts. I love it. Uh, you know, there's certain, some formulas, but the thing about it is you can make it whatever you want because it's your show. And, you know, I, I always think that there should be some a level of either do all interview format or at least portion of interview format. Um, you know, for, there's a lot of people like to get on 
I know you've created a lot of content, kind of do solo ones of just informing my audience and, and giving thoughts, which are excellent. They're powerful, but I love the interview format. And I think from that, um, listening to so many great interviewers, there's a couple things that you can always take away. And it, it's more of a mindset than anything. And, and number one is it's not about you, right? It's not about you, the interviewer. You're there to highlight this person that you have on the show, give them a great experience and listen to them. Right. And that's, that's difficult for a lot of people because most people are automatically thinking, right. When someone's talking, like, well, what am I going to say next? And that's, uh, it's just human nature. It's something you have to overcome as an interview. You have to just be intently listening because I'll even go back and listen to some of my interviews that I've done recently. I'm like, oh, I missed, I'm, I was, I was probably off in thought or I was thinking about my next thing. I missed a great opportunity to go down something that would have been really valuable for my audience. So I think number one, you have to be a great listener. You have to be all about the the person that you're interviewing. The other thing that I pull in Joe Rogan is excellent. He's an advocate for his audience, right? So he approaches things as if he's five years old. And what I mean by that is he doesn't pretend to know the answers. If you're talking about something, Stu, on my show, and I don't understand it, uh, my e I can't let my ego get in the way. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. 100%, you know, macroeconomics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who doesn't know anything about that? Right. No, you got to approach it. And sometimes I'll say, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm not getting this. And that probably means my audience isn't getting it either. So can you explain it to me? Like I'm five. And then you start to get the stuff that people really find valuable because you always got to be thinking in the mind of your audience. Maybe you pick an avatar, someone, you know, you know, this is the type of person that I want to inform. And you, you, you attack the interview that way. You want to get as much information for that person as you can and also make it entertaining and also give the guests a great experience. So it's, it's a nice little dance, really. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I've listened uh, to many, you know, especially, you know, listen to tons of interviews from uh, guys like you and me who just kind of started this thing. Um, and we might use the, we might be in the same guest circuit type scenario. And mm -hmm. I've listened to some guys starting off and one of my biggest critiques and, you know, positive criticism, if you will, for some of the guys starting off a of podcasting is, you know, you're, here's you coming in with the question. They give you an answer that's a little superficial and you have to learn to craftily, respectfully peel back and ask a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper, but then there's a fine line, you know, I, even in this one, you know, I, I made the conscious decision. I asked you about why did you decide to sell your gym? And in 2016, you mentioned that you had a lot of loss and I left it at that. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I wonder what the fuck Eric's talking about. Did it, was there a death in the family? Did they lose a bunch of money in the stock market? Like what, like, what does yeah. that mean? And you don't know how to dig like when is the right time to dig in and when is it not and there's times where i've done it and you know you you sometimes might have a, a now a guest that's a couple tears are coming down and that might be amazing media that might be great content or it's like fuck did i did did i violate or maybe step a little bit too far forward as the interviewer how do you manage that or think about that i think you, you nailed it spot on man and, and you know the ultimate point to this is that interviewing and podcasting is really another path to mastery, right? And you, you don't know all the time. Um, you know, to answer your question about 2016, I have no problem going into it. it. There was loss. It was loss of life, both young and old. And it happened in a period of nine months. We lost, you know, um, my wife's father died of a heart attack at 62. Um, a friend of mine committed suicide. We lost a pregnancy very late. And then at the end of the year, our dog died. And it was like one of those years, like, Jesus, you know, yeah. like, well, 
It's well, like normally it's time for threes. a change. It's normally in threes and you got <laughs> yeah. it in like fucking fives. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. And it was just one of those years. So we we're just like, you know what? It's, it's time for a change. And I felt it and I just wasn't dealing with stress the same way, but, you know, diving into getting back to your question, you know, kind of diving in and out of, of those periods and feeling people out is, is, it's just takes practice really. I mean, it really does. And, uh, you know, we talk about the mastery thing and I think it's really, kind of the mindset you have to have. Like I've, when I help people launch a podcast, I'm like, just commit to a hundred episodes. And they're like, Whoa, that's a lot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. Because if you're not committing to X amount and hundred is just an arbitrary number, if you're not committing to that, then you're not seeing it the right way. If you think you're going to do 10 episodes out there and your life's going to change, it's not going to happen anymore. There's too many damn podcasts. Yeah. So you have to have a long route and then you find your voice, you find your audience. And, um, you know, I don't have a tremendously large audience in the grand scheme of things on the future of fitness, but I know who's listening and I'm super happy with those people. And I know how to serve them really well. And they're interactive and they reach out to me. And, you know, so it's, it's, a, it takes a while and you got to be patient with it. Yeah. It takes a while. I've also, and I've done this more since, you know, I don't have different podcasts. I have different segments of the podcast. So like uh, the shoot the shit, which is my long form interview. I just got back from mm -hmm. San Francisco doing it with Kelly Starrett. Awesome. And for a three hour interview, I'm sitting there and, you know, I don't want to talk to him about how to fix the shoulder blade. I want to talk about the mobility bullshit. So like I had to go back and research and look up fucking everything he's ever done and the questions he's been asked and, and get an idea where uh, maybe that interviewer fell short that I could dig in on or be like, okay, that shit's already out there a thousand times. Yeah. Does he like to smoke weed? Like maybe that's a good, like, that's an interesting <laughs> question. Like, you know, that's something sure. no one's asked him. Right. Like, yeah. um, so like, you know, so that I think is also for anyone, you know, thinking about the question I asked Eric about how do you know that fine line? I think also researching your subject and kind of getting a feel for how they've done, or if you actually know, like, man, I've heard him talk a lot about a really rough 2016, but he's never gone into detail. I'm going to shoot, just give him the courtesy of sending him and let him know, Hey, during the podcast, I'd love to talk about that. If that's something you're willing to jam on, that's just yeah. that common courtesy, I think is also while I do the media creation brain inside me is like, ask him don't tell him and catch him off guard and let fucking reality just happen and let you know yeah. let the magic happen um there's also a, a really probably fine line where you should probably extend a common courtesy and let someone know you're planning you would like to go down a rabbit hole that it seems like they haven't been too comfortable talking about in the past yeah yeah i agree i mean it, it's is you know when i look at guest preparation i frankly i do so many interviews um that i don't get a lot of time to prep as much as i want um or as much as i could i should say uh, and for but a 60 minute standard 30 minute, it's probably not really needed. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, here's, here's how I prep, you know, I'll, I'll do, I'll try to find, um, maybe an interview that person had done previously. I like to get a, and listen to it or watch it, get an idea of their cadence and their, their personality and, you know, how they go. Uh, and then I'll ask them right then, uh, the beginning, I'm like, Hey, when you woke up this morning, was there anything in particular that you feel passionate that you want to talk about today? And that's always, you know, kind of a good lead in because they, there's always something right. And it's generally not what you thought it, they would want to talk about. Um, you know, there's, there's another thing for, for people who do want to do interviews. I, back when I had the gym days, I would run these random, I had third Thursdays. I would random stuff that I would have people come in and teach like about beekeeping or, um, you know, just, I just thought it was yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we had, uh, astronomers come by and we had beers and they tossed about astronomy and then all this. And one time we had, uh, an improv class come in and, you know, there are members who ran this improv team. And 
I remember that one of the things they had us do was pass around this empty box. Right. And it was, the whole point was like, you, you start, it's like, you say something and there's this trigger statement, then, then you pass it to the next person. And that next person has to say something about what's in the box, but there's nothing in the box. Right. And you always have this fear. You always have this fear that someone's going to pass you the box and there's not going to be anything in the box and you're going to stutter. And then you're going to look like an idiot. Right. Well, as it turns out, there's always something in the box. Like you, your mind just will come up with something. And that's one of the things that I found if, if I go into interviews with a little bit of faith and curiosity and, you know, if you say something like, Hmm, I'm going to take a note really quick and I'm going to get back to that because that sounds something that's interesting that I've never heard before. So you always have to be on the out on the lookout for that one thing. So you can prepare and you can have a lot and it's super helpful and provides a great, a lot of value, but you also have to be ready to take advantage of things as they pop up like the 2016, right? Like you just kind of, you're like, Hmm, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more. There's something in that box, right? I want to know what's in that box. So I think that's a really key skill is you kind of have to have some faith. And then if people haven't taken an improv class or done it before, a it's scary and super fun. And I think it's one of the best life skills you can have is just to be able to improv. I was thinking, I tell, you know, I, I got a four-year-old and she'll, she's about, she'll start gymnastics here in a year or so. And when I think about it, gymnastics is like the number one thing to get kids into body awareness, you know, so spatial awareness, kinesthetic awareness, but from a cognitive standpoint, I think improv, even if you don't want to go into a thespian or an acting role or comedian, whatever improv is just thinking on your feet, taking the information around you, and using an element of creativity and then the actual stuff that's happening and, and making a narrative with it. And that's, that's what we do every day as human beings. We are literally just taking the inputs that we have in the, our life, a little bit of creativity, and we're coming up with whatever our existence, whatever it is we're doing. And uh, yeah, I, if I had to give, you know, we, as you, when you first said improv, I was like, fuck, I need to sign my kid up for improv when she gets old enough. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's such a good communication skill. It is. It is. And I, you know, I probably took, to be honest, I probably took four of these classes. Uh, but that's all I, I, I learned enough from that to be like, okay, this is, and it was super fun, man. It was really oh, yeah. fun. I laughed so hard, you know, belly laughs during the hours that I did it because we're all, everybody's guards down. We all know that we're there. We're probably going to, you know, slip on something or we may not. And uh, it's just a really interesting and, and fun way to, to spend an evening. When did you take those sure. classes? What year was that? Probably 15, 16. So pretty much right 16. up, right around the, like right before you started the podcast. So like really mm-hmm. well-timed. And yeah. was that just, was that just something you were doing? I mean, was that just out of interest or was that in preparation for the podcast? It was because, uh, you know, actually the very first podcast I was on was around 2014. It was one of, uh, it was the husband of one of my clients. It was called 805 Connect and 805 was the area code in Santa Barbara. And he was interviewed all these entrepreneurs, right? He was on this game way before. I mean, now I totally see what he was doing and it's brilliant. And, uh, you know, so I sat down in studio and, uh, you know, we had a great conversation and then that, that also turned me out like, well, wow, this is really cool. Like he had a professional studio. He's getting people in. He had a guy who was doing all the sound for him. And then they had like, they had all these, they, they did a great job. And I asked him like, how did you, how did you come up with all these ideas? This is amazing. He's like, well, we do improv. And I'm, I'm like, okay, so that's, that was my curiosity. I'm like, okay, I want to start learning more about this. And then I asked them to come into my gym. We did an improv night and then I went to a couple of their, their classes and it was just, uh, yeah, it just kind of happened organically. 
I, I see. I love that because you recognize you saw someone who had done something successful, this podcast that he's created. And, you know, he shares with you a secret, a, a trick, a tactic, right? That we're all looking for. We're all looking for the, you know, the how to's and, and improv was, was his suggestion. And you went and did it. And now you have a podcast. It, I tell people like, like, I want to get good at the thing. I'm like, well, then find the things that would make you good at it. So for example, I, when I, when I realized I wanted to start getting paid to go speak at conferences and stuff like that, I was like, cool. I have nothing, no Rolodex of content or anything or ex showing that I've experienced public speaking. So before anyone would ever even have me, I literally went and set up, I, I started a segment of my YouTube uh, channel called talking to myself. And it's literally, I took a mic, I had a three camera setup and I'd set up in an alley. I'd set up in a park in Charlotte or I did on the roof of my building, just ran or inside the gym with no one there, but I'd shoot it from an angle where you, you couldn't tell whether I was talking to nobody or maybe there was an audience of 300 and I, <laughs> and I, and I just did it on random pieces. And then I would find conferences and I'd ship and be like, Hey, I know you don't know who I am. I have a Rolodex here. Here's seven 45 minute keynotes I've delivered. Check them out. If you're interested in any of this. And you'd love for me to come speak oddly because that's it. When you, when no one's knocking on your door, you got to go fucking knock it on their doors. You have yeah. to move. And it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm not, I want this thing, public speaking, paid public speaking. Well, I need the skill set for it. I could join Toastmasters, right? I could start mm -hmm. taking some Toastmasters classes. I could get on Skillshare and take some online courses, or I could just start fucking practicing. And if it's good enough, you know, add it to your little, your head shop, you know, like a, like a model would have a book of photos, you know, and yeah. ship it. But yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I thought of when you, as you were talking about that. Have you had any cool moments and I, I cool, cause I love debate where someone said something and you were like, not viscerally reacted, but you're like, I, I, you know what? I actually don't agree. Let's debate that back. Have you ever had like an, not a, like a good argument on air? I'm not very argumentative, um, but I have had some disagreements and it usually comes around the world of CrossFit. Um, I remember one, I won't say who it was, but it was, uh, actually it wasn't that long ago. And I just, it, their philosophy was we don't give a shit what happens outside of the gym for our clients. Our job is to work them out hard and send them home. And that bothered me. I'm like, well, what happens if, uh, you know, what happens if your client is on four hours of sleep? they're completely stressed out for their job and they just slam two energy drinks to get through your class. Do you want to know that? They're like, nope, don't give a shit. That's their, that's their responsibility. I don't give a shit. I'm like, well, that is a completely, I disagree with that methodology altogether. I think that's exactly what's wrong with CrossFit. And that mindset of like, well, we don't care. We just work them hard, send them home wet. And then we that's it. Right. I'm like, sure. well, no, that's, that's exactly why people get injured. That's why people burn out. That's why we got a bad reputation, all of these things. So that one really heated me up because, you know, it's funny. I, back in like 2014, 15, and maybe it was because I went through all OPEX stuff and James Fitzgerald was my coach, but I remember coming home back to, to the gym from being in Arizona and be like, okay, we got to scrap this all. We got to start over again. Right. James Fitzgerald yeah. will make you see the light and you'll come, you'll literally leave one of his <laughs> yeah. seminars, like his, you know, the program design and all the lifestyle coaching and all that. And you oh. come back and you're like, all right, I'm completely disassembling this entire thing I've built. Yeah. I can't, I can't unsee it. No, right? you, that no, was kind can. of, you, you can once you, you know, and that was when I started making, trying to make changes. And I, and one of my coaches even asked me is like, man, do you even like CrossFit anymore? I was like, I do. In fact, I love it so much 
that I, I feel like it needs to, to evolve. And that was, you know, that was it. And then I just, I don't know, I guess I just went down these paths. Like I had literally had two separate rooms in my gym. I had one that was individual design and personal yeah. training and one that was the group and try not to touch that, but how do you merge these cultures? You know how that story goes. That's, that's, that's a, that's a tough, that phrase that coach situation. said, do you even like CrossFit anymore? That's my biggest gripe with this entire thing is it really what they should be, what it, what CrossFit is CrossFit just synonymous for everything, constantly varied functional movements, high intensity, uh, eat the frog, orange theory, F45, berries, CrossFits, urban movement, metabolic. We're all doing constantly varied functional movements. You know, we all define functional, but differently at a, at a at an intensity where we're all doing yeah. the same thing. So like when someone's like, man, you don't, you know, because you're doing, you get, you were probably doing post OPEX, you know, a one, a two upside down kettlebell walks, okay. like yeah, tempo, tempo and everything. everything. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> and you're adding all the, all the, you know, CrossFit's a very basic strength and conditioning program. When you get yeah. in the guys, the Dan Johns of the world, the Creases of the world, the James Fitzgerald's of the world, uh, Ian Stewart, Pat, uh, uh, O'Shea, like when you get into the really long-term strength coaches and fitness coaches in there, there's so much like unilateral, like there's just like isometric, like there's all these elements that cro general CrossFit really doesn't touch. And yeah. so for someone to say to you, like, what, you don't like CrossFit? I'm like, no, no, this is still all constantly varied functional movements, high intensity. It's a higher prescription or a more mm -hmm. advanced prescription or a more well-rounded, whatever you want to call it. But that's the crazy thing is some, it'd be like pizza. If you're eating thick crust Chicago style and I'm eating New York, I'm like, Eric, what? You don't like pizza anymore? I'm like, well, no, I just, this is a different kind of fucking pizza. It's all pizza. <laughs> that's, that's a great analogy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, and I remember when someone asked me that question too, I'm like, I'm the one who started a gym. What do you mean? I don't like CrossFit. Like I, I invested everything in this uh, and I just want to see it get better. And, you know, there's, there's still a lot of improvement for that, but yeah. So to get back to your question, that that's probably one of the, and it's just because it's in recent memory and um, have I ever gotten a really heated argument with anybody? Probably not. Um, because once again, I'm not there uh, generally to prove my point. Um, I'm there to be an advocate for my audience. while I challenge people um, and maybe say, Hey, can you explain that a little bit more? And then, then I'll leave it there. Uh, but that's, that's kind of my, my thought on it, but I'm sure I have, and I made people uncomfortable, you know, when I talk directly about competition and maybe they didn't see that coming. I had a CEO of a, a pretty large um, company and I brought up his direct competitor and I could tell it made him really uncomfortable because I don't think they're doing well against uh, them. And uh, you know, so he dove and dodged from that one, but then I kind of brought it back into a place where he was a little bit more comfortable and let it go from there. Yeah. And again, just like we talked about, it's just reps and feeling people out. And, yeah, totally. um, you know, there are some interviews, like one of the best interviewers of our time. And I feel, I feel because of his soup, I hate the fact that he's on serious and not just podcasting is Howard Stern. Yeah. Howard Stern's sure. one of the greatest interviewers of our time. And, and yes. his thing was, I don't think he was ever too worried about making the guests feel comfortable. Like, granted, he was, he had set up, he had created a brand that just allowed, like, if you were going on the show, you realize pretty much all bets were off. Um, and I remember reading, you know, his early shows when they would be on the radio, they would record at four 30 in the morning, super early. So a lot mm -hmm. of the rock star celebrities would be just coming in off of a night on the town, still yeah. coming in kind of all banged up and all that. He just like, he had this, a great recipe for like, well, if you come in here, I'm going to ask you crazy fucking questions. And there's like, that's what you're signing up for. And I think where I seen some, you know, younger podcasters miss is, 
they don't have a right like they're just they're normally interviewing and then maybe on one interview they like kind of go in for a, like an aggressive conversation it just it's a switch it's something that they haven't maybe prepped their audience for or the guest and they haven't had a lot of experience asking really kind of outside you know out you know out there kind of questions um yeah let's let me ask you this can we you, can we tap on that for yeah, a second oh yes I, I think uh, maybe when I do, maybe I do it more than I, I, I think I do, because I, I will address, I'll address it like this. Like, you know what, I, I'd like to challenge you on that thought. And that prepares people a little bit like, hey, this isn't just, it's your thought. It's not you that I'm challenging, right? And that Words you matter, and I, yes. you, I, I'm going to be re releasing an episode that you're on for the future of fitness. And we talk very much about the ability to disagree and still be friends, right? You know, that that's something that, Fuck me, man. Like if, if there's one thing I would want people to take away from this, it's not about interviewing and stuff, have the ability to disagree and still be friends and try to learn from the other person's perspective, ask questions. So it's not about coming at someone with blunt force and saying, this is my opinion. This is your opinion. You're fucked. I'm right. It's about saying, asking that extra question. Well, why do you, why do you believe that? Okay. Well, what in your experience has led you to come to that conclusion? Right. That if we just had more of that, and I think that's probably the approach I try to take is I don't necessarily blunt force challenge people, but I try to understand where they're coming from and asking the extra question, which people do not do anymore. They'll ask one question, they'll categorize you, they'll put you in a box and they don't care about the next question, which is, well, how did you get to that conclusion? What in your experience real quick on this example is, um, someone referred to my brother, uh, as a white privileged male. Now, I know that's a trigger statement if whatever the hell that means, but I challenged that person I'm like, well, hold on. Can we stop and think I was there? Hold on. Like my dad's a first generation Italian immigrant, right? He came in after World War II. Uh, he had to change his name. Like he worked his way through, you know, to get through dental school at the age of 30, like made a great living, gave us a good lifestyle. Very appreciative. Where's the privilege there? Right. And that was something that really like, you know, didn't like it. She sure. didn't like it. Right. And to me, that was a normal conversation. Yeah, it's right. It's, it's crazy. When one thing I'd love to ask every guest, just because I like poking the fire, like, especially right around the election is like, I would have loved to get in like who you vote for. Like that's going to make this titillating, you know, cause we're going <laughs> to, we're going 51, 49 and pissing somebody and pissing some people off. But you know, you don't, because obviously these people have platforms they are not trying to rile up their audience. Nobody wants to be like, I went on Stu's show and I talked on WTF gym talk. And now I have 49% of my, my followers are pissed, you know? Um, so, you know, you know, politely stay away from stuff like that, but you're right. I, I, li I like the way that you articulated that words matter. If everyone listened to the way, Eric said that, you know, I want to challenge your thought on that. And I, I think that just, I, I think that's a great way to start a, a little nice, healthy debate versus someone saying X and you'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? No way is it X. It's Y, dude. It's fucking Y. Can't you yeah. like, um, you know, we all like the thing, the only place I think that lives like where you can be uber aggressive and nobody will get upset sports. Yeah. Sports right. arguments. You can literally be like LeBron, Michael Jordan, and like, you know, motherfuck each other's mothers and yell and, and like, and argue it. And people will be like, yeah, but we're still friends. Like yeah. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I've got friends that are Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And, but during games, if they were on fire, I might help them maybe yeah. during a game. Like, but it's sports is the one area where you can be radically on opposite ends and argue it to a T, but you're still friends. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have a, a friend who's, I'm a Niners fan. I have a friend who's a Seattle Seahawks fan. And every year we bet a eighth of weed on who's going to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And we're talking shit all season, right? Yeah. And it's it's great. Uh, and it's, it's really, that is weird, man. That's a really interesting observation. But yeah, I mean, people have, you know, just if we could just try to understand perspectives all the time. And coming from California now living in Montana, um, I've seen is, a lot. Is weed legal in Montana? Myself. Yeah. You guys have dispensaries and all that Montana as well. Yeah, yeah. Medical just went recreation. Got it. Uh, recreational. So it's you know, and which is people are like, wow, Montana. Yeah, that's fascinating, right? Uh, but just coming from that perspective of being such a liberal, and you know, California's in its in it's it's its own echo chamber. You know, it really is. Um, I always thought growing up in California that California was the greatest state in the world. Um, why would I ever want to live somewhere else? Right. This is California. And then I started traveling more. My wife and I went nomadic. We started seeing all these places like, holy cow, like there's so much out here to see. And, and settling in a state like Montana where it's very red, it's very conservative. I started to talk to a lot more people. I started learning a lot more opinions and starting to really settle into what the quote unquote other side is. And you know what? We're all the fucking same. Yeah. We all want the same thing. We all want stability. We all want a good income. We all want to know that you know the planet's going to be around uh, or we're going to be on the planet. I should say the planet's going to be around forever, or we're going to be, we all want the same shit. We all agreed on 80% of it. And it's ridiculous. And it's, it's something that, you know, um, it's something we really have to address. Uh, I don't know how. Yeah. Do you, uh, with your, do you ever like purposely drop in interviews, polarize, like these polarizing topics that, you know, it's going to kind of go one way or the other. Um, you know, obviously now you can, you know, like you said, somebody says your brother is a, uh, has white privilege. And then you'd be like, well, listen here, wokester, right? You left, you know, this left this, like there's ways to kind of drop these things. I, you know, I did a, a segment on the noble, uh, and the issue that like the morning chalk up did that whole thing about their brand, not be, you know, not representing enough overly fat individuals because of the sizing, this and that. And I, I laid out my entire argument for it. That's probably been the, that's probably the most hate uh, DMs I've ever received. Like I'm talking nine paragraphs of like, uh, of being told that I, you know, that I'm mansplaining and all this other stuff. And I was just like, I'm, I'm always <laughs> impressed that someone like nine paragraphs. I can't remember the last time I, I wrote nine paragraphs on anything besides maybe a blog post, but like, um, do you ever like purposely like, like, okay, that's a hot trending topic right now. Like Greg mm -hmm. Glassman, when Greg Glassman, the whole thing happened with Twitter, like that's a juicy topic that I'm going to, I can talk on as a media creator, or talk with someone on in an interview, and it's good. There, it will be instantly polarizing because of the time in which this topic is existing and the the the, the spark around it. I'm thinking on that. I I don't know if I do. Now I, I recognize too that I'm a recovering people pleaser. Um, I have been for a long time. I love that recovering people pleaser. So are you <laughs> yeah. slowly like saying fuck you to more people now? Like slowly yeah, yeah, getting yeah, out of it? Yeah, I am. I'm saying no a lot It's like more. step seven of the 12 steps. Yeah. <laughs> Say fuck off more. Yeah, exactly. I, like I need a little more stew in my life, <laughs> you know, I think is what I need to kind of balance me out. So do I do that? I don't know. I don't actively pursue it. Um, you know, once again, if I put it into the lens of am I advocating for my audience by, ask, by asking this question, then... And yeah, but I also know why people come to my show. People want to know what the future of fitness looks like, where the advantages are in the market, what shifts are happening. And, you know, if it happens to fall in line with that, that, you know, modality of what I'm trying to do, then yeah, I'll challenge somebody for sure. Um, 
but once again, it has to be, you know, in my personal rules, I have to be advocating for my audience and getting them information that they want to know. And also trying to be a little entertaining at times too. So I don't know, man, I, that's something I'm going to have to reflect on. It's a really good question. Let's, um, I'm going to shift to podcasting from a monetization standpoint that one thing that there's not a lot of money in right now is podcasting. And I think it's mm -hmm. because, uh, the monetization model for a lot of people don't realize for podcasting is based on a CPM model, right? So like mm -hmm. based on like, you'll see like per a thousand downloads or listens, you, you know, people start quantifying and that's typically how ads, Facebook ads and advertising typically would run. Um, and it's tough. Uh, when I, you know, even now I launched that, that three hour long segment when I'm literally traveling out to the West coast once a week, or once a month, every month for six months, because unfortunately all the fucking interesting people are on the west side of the country. <laughs> and it's like, all right, well, you know, this is all my dime and I'm hoping this is going to work out. But it's like finding sponsorships I found to be incredibly difficult. Um, and I'm curious on for you, how have you found monetization to be? Is it something where you go into it like, well, I'm not trying to make this a fuck, you know, a, a you know, a revenue stream necessarily. How was that? How, which give me your experience with monetization of the podcast? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a really good one. I think it's a really important to set realistic expectations for people if they are going to start a podcast. It is hard, and I call I call there's direct monetization and then there's indirect monetization. And directly is what you're talking about sponsorships, things like that. This year I have some sponsors. It's great. It's the first time I've really had decent pay um and people investing in my show and it, it seems to be lining up more and more and very few here's the thing man i don't get asked very often how big my audience is sometimes i feel like i should tell them i but i think also people maybe have listened to me long enough or been on my show or things like that they're like you know i just i see where this is going i just want to be part of this right what does that audience look like by the way like how like how many downloads are you, and are you looking at this on a 30 mm -hmm. day from the day it drops to the a 30 day window yeah yeah i'm usually looking at a, a 30 day window so i'm at like the 250 to 500 downloads okay for for my for my audience and you know one of the things i've never spent money on promoting it and never done it, it's completely organic and that number is now starting to have value right yeah um but that being said indirectly I have made hundreds of thousands of dollars off my podcast. And that's from the network I built, um, having, you know, I even, I told you, I had this thing I created called the podcast sales system that I never launched. And it's really good. It's all of my secrets and, uh, you know, and how I put it into and what I've learned over 700 interviews is, you know, the preparation, the intake form, um, who the balance of percentage of what type of guests you want on your show, um, how much of them are influencers, how much of them are, or ideal clients for you. Like, here's the thing, you can get an ideal client on your show, right? Um, Morpheus, Joel, you know, I'm, I'm doing business development and partnerships for him now and very excited about that project. It's because I got Joel in an interview. Would Joel have taken my call if I had just emailed him out of blue and be like, hey man, I'd love to pick your brain and see what you're up to nowadays, da, 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 da. No, he's too fucking busy. Right yeah. now, if I say, Hey man, I have this podcast that I've created. I would love to highlight you on it. And then I use that opportunity during the show to find out about him, his background, his experience, what his biggest challenges are, where he's going with this whole thing and then stop record. That's where the magic happens. That's when I get to have a great conversation with him and find out, Hey man, do you need help with this? Because I love this and I want to be part of it. That happened. That has happened many times or, Hey, you know, we were talking about this in the show. I think I can help you with that. And my goal after the end of every 
interview is, I don't know if people have read The Go-Giver, but I always want to be a person of value to that person, right? And what that means is it doesn't necessarily mean I'm offering my services. Maybe I make a connection for them. Maybe I turn them onto something they didn't know about. I always want to be a person of value. I want to leave that person, um, leaving that call, knowing that, hey, that was a really good experience. I'm going to remember that guy. Now he's in my network. And that's something that has served me so powerfully um, over the years from day one. It's a, uh, it is memorable. I still now, and I've even told people this when I've, when your name has come up in conversation, I don't think there's been a phone call that we've gone on or an interview where at the very end, you didn't finish with, is there anything I can do for you? And mm -hmm. it just sticks in my head. And I remember hearing that. And the first time I heard you say that to me, maybe, I think it was like, it was years ago when I did your first interview, I was like, God, that feels so good. I need to start using that and saying <laughs> that to people because you're right. That's that truly is it. And it's not going to yeah. be your end. Um, you, the service you generally monetize for your for your income. It could literally just be the introduction. You know, it could be the oh, this is that service that I was talking about that I use. And just it, it's amazing. But it's just that very that very end because how many people in everyday life ever say that to you? It's very like oh, cool. Is there besides a waiter maybe? Right. Or like yeah. a, so someone who you're paying in a service role, but it just in regular interaction, just be like, yeah, listen, before we get off the call, is there anything else that I can do for you? And I think it's, I mean, I think it's a tell as to who you are as a, as an operator, as a human being, as a networker, um, super powerful. I want to, I want to get into this, uh, your first time, the first time you ever had someone monetize your podcast, did they come to you or did you hunt them down? Ooh, uh, it was, you know what? I think I had, checked in with this company, the inside tracker. I checked in with them just to see, Hey, would you guys like to come back on? It's been two years. And they said, yeah, we love to get, you know, someone on the show, by the way, we're actually great timing. We're looking for sponsorships right now. I'm like, great, let's do it. And I just sent yeah. them a little bit of a packet. And then, you know, a week later, they're on board. Next um, thing. First time you opened your gym, your pricing was probably dog shit right out the gate. Like you didn't really know where to price your first gym possibly in the beginning. Yeah. That was something I found very difficult. So I had Sydney Cummings coming on the show, by far the most, the biggest celebrity I had ever interviewed, Sydney Cummings. She just came off the Forbes article and her Good Morning America appearance and all that. I was like, okay, this is something I'll be able to monetize, right? She has a yeah. million subscribers on YouTube. This is going to be great. I literally spent an entire, I, I got on a ski trip and the entire drive up to the ski trip, I'm DMing. I DM no less than 200 different accounts that I thought wow. would be perfect. I'm like, hey, this is this one interview. I'm just like taking sponsorship for this one three-hour long interview. I could cut so much mid-roll into this fucking thing. I got out of, let's say, 250 DMs I sent, I got three responses, zero zero contribution of money, no, no, no sponsorship whatsoever. But again, it was, it was incredibly eye-opening for me to put a pitch deck together of here's the person I'm interviewing. Here's their mm -hmm. combined impressions that they get on all their content. Here's how it's going to be distributed. And I put in all that work for nothing, like nothing came out of it. And you know what the scary <laughs> thing was, is I had to price it. And I had no idea whether is the reason I didn't get any feedback because this price too high, price too yeah. low, which is also a reason sometimes people don't respond. Yeah. How did you, how did you price shares in the beginning? Like, what did you, like, where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, the first couple of pitches I did, I just pulled it out of my ass. I didn't really know. I'm like, this is what I think it's worth. What did you, know? you what was that number? Like, what'd you originally it was say? Like, I was like 500 a month. I'm yeah. Like, Pay me five. I would have been super happy. If exactly. Month, it, right? I think and, about that even still. I'm like, yeah, 500 <laughs> bucks a month for something. Sure. 
Yeah. And I, you know, now with the one that I, you know, the, the sponsors I have now, I did get, I worked with an, a podcast agency in 2020. We worked on a 12 month. They kind of helped me clean some things up, you know, start a website, hook up my email list, all of it. Right. Just things I wasn't doing because I'm not that detail oriented. And, uh, you know, then I'm like, well, you know, I have someone who's interested in sponsorship. We're like, well, you know, according to these numbers, this is what it's worth. So I, I have no idea where they came up with that. It just happened to be around thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, okay, cool. cool. And it just gave me confidence to be like, Hey, this is what my audience is worth. Yeah. Now that being said, I think when people go out and they're like, well, I want to monetize purely on the numbers. I think you're doing yourself a disservice. You have to look at the quality of your audience and what that value is to that particular person. Right. I mean, if you look at like my audience is a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of executives check in, you know, people like that, you know, C-suite people in the fitness industry will listen to my show because they do know, A, it's like some of them have been on it. They also like to come on the show because it's one of those things now it's like, well, I've been on the future of fitness. It's a little badge, right? That you get to have. And uh, so people find value in that, that doesn't particularly acquaint with my, my audience numbers, if that makes sense. It's like, and I think ultimately people buy from you, they buy from Stu. They want a piece of Stu. They want Stu's, you know, reputation. They want Stu to talk about it in their show. They want to know that they have a piece of Stu's mind, right? That they have, they've gathered a bit of that. And that's also what I tell people too, is like, hey, if you're going to sponsor my show, um, I'm on your team. I'm going to talk about you on the show. If I'm having, you know, a, a conversation with an executive or an entrepreneur or somebody or another content creator, you know what, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk highly of you. And you, what's the, how can you put a price on that? right? Yeah. That's like, that's extremely valuable. So I think there's a lot of things that people have to look at. It's not just the numbers, but it's the value of what you're doing. And then you have to express that value appropriately. The analytics of podcasting have been okay. They're getting better. Uh, yeah. what, do you, what service do you use? Podbean? What, what are you using to, to host and, and publish and then look at the analytics? Yeah, I use Libsyn uh, yeah. for the most part. And then uh, I have Bcast because I got some deal for like a lifetime deal on them um, for one of my shows. So mostly Libsyn is what I'm familiar with. And I think they're all have little variations and features and things like that. But you're right. That's the other thing is like, we don't even really know. Yeah, it's not like Facebook ads manager where I can literally, yeah. I can see how many seconds of the video someone's watching. The, some of the analytics, I, you know, I use Anchor and that's why I generally recommend point most people to because it's dummy proof, point and shoot mm -hmm. type scenario uploads for you. Um, and the analytics are, are definitely something left to be desired because I'd like, oh, what's the drop off time? Like, I'd love to know, yeah. like, how long is someone listening before it drops off and then before they pick it back up, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it just it it it's such a young thing because even though it seems like there's so many podcasts, and again, this is uh, this stat could be completely wrong, but just from using the Google machine, there's like a million <laughs> actual podcasts. But when I dug into those numbers, what I found was a relatively recent article. It's only around seven hundred thousand of them are what that researcher considered active, meaning there's at least one upload a month. Yeah. So like there's a lot of park, just like domains, like how many billion domains are there and websites, but are just like they're empty, not actually doing business type scenario. So when people yeah. are like, oh man, I searched, there's fucking so many podcasts on this thing. I'm like, first off, the life cycle of a podcast, in my opinion, dies out quick because there's no mm -hmm. money in it, especially when mm -hmm. you're small. So it's got to be a passion project. And just like most humans, like, man, I'm going to turn my garage into a woodworking shop and I'm going to build fucking wood knickknacks. And then nine months later, like, ah, I'm kind of done with that. I, I'm, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to take a bowling. 
you know, yeah. podcasting becomes very hobbyish for some people. They don't really stick it out. I don't, if you're really serious about it, I think there's plenty of room for you to go all in and, and you, you make this a thing. Yeah. 100%. I, you know, I looked at, when I started this, I looked at it as a five-year project. That's it. I'm like, I probably won't monetize for five years and I'm a year early and that's great. But that being said, you know, and when we talk about the audience, I think a lot of people are now familiar with email marketing, right? And it's not, it's not the size of your email list, right? You can go buy emails and you can fire out 10,000 emails, but you'll get, you know, no responses. So, you know, you may have an audience of whatever you can buy audience listeners too, but it's all about like, I'd rather have a list of 200 people that I know are spot on for my ideal client and they they're interactive. That's a far more valuable audience. So, you know, you're looking at it that way, I would really equate it to email markets very similar in that way. We just don't have as good of analytics as you alluded to. And, um, you know, podcasting, if, if you're going to get into it, you do have to like it. And one of the things that really, if you're going to start a podcast, that's why I tell people, please commit to a large number because nothing pisses me off more than seeing a great name on a podcast taken by somebody who uploaded seven episodes and, you know, stopped three years ago. Cause that sucks. Don't yeah. do that. Don't be that guy. Yeah. And be, and I think you said like your, your first 20 or so podcasts were throwaways. They're practice reps. Like you, yeah. you don't even know, you don't really get into a, a rhythm and a flow state until you've hit a certain, you know, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, Gladwell's 10,000 number, but it, it's, it's definitely up there. You need a lot of reps under your belt. What do you think about these services? I'm sure you get the emails and they're just services that take someone pays for. And then the service mm-hmm cold emails people who have podcasts like you'll be like hey i know joe schmo and he's done this this and this he'd be great for your podcast can i invite him on your show for you yeah okay so i got a couple things is there's a lot of that junk right you know if you're on linkedin nowadays in the cesspool of the direct messaging that happens there right you you get hit up i get my emails flush with that stuff all the time now every once in a while You'll pick, you'll kind of see somebody, um, Jack Taylor PR. I'm going to have a, they're out in New York, Hannah and Heather love them. They're fantastic. They reach out to me once like, Hey, I think I have a great guest, you know, based on, I could tell they actually looked at my podcast with the guests. They're like, you know, you, you have these interviews. I think this would be a great guest. And I responded back. I'm like, Hey, thank you for your inquiry. Um, I don't think this is a good one, but who else do you have? Here's who I'm looking for. Right. And they said, Oh. Interesting. Right. And then, so what I did is I actually treat that person as a human. Now you can tell when it's spam, it's spam, fuck them, go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But you can tell when, if it's a meaningful email and engage with them. And now, um, basically, you know, the people at Jack Taylor have been getting me great guests and I don't have to do the work. Right. So it's symbiotic. Like now so did you end they, up hiring them as uh, like, no, I didn't, I didn't hire them. They just get me guests because yeah, they, it's their, their job PR to get for, their guests. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, you know, the CEO of Hyperice was on this week and you know, he just popped up on my calendar. Like how often does that happen? That's yeah. amazing. Right. So I think there's a couple of ways that you got to filter out the spam. When we do find quality, somebody treat them like a human, right. Be like, Hey, I, I appreciate you reaching out. I get it. This, this one isn't a good fit. Here's who I like to interview find me some of those people when we're in business, right? And now we have a great relationship. They send me samples of all the things before I'm going to interview these people. Um, I got a nice hypervolt from Hyperice here. Um, so it's, it, you can, it, it, fuck the spam, but if it's someone who's real, engage with them and give them a chance and maybe it could turn out something really good. 
Yeah, I, I think that service has legs. I think that's a great service. It's just it's a talent booking, say essentially for yeah. podcasts. I just at least the ones that'll hit my inbox at least once or twice a month are one hundred percent just a, a robot has shipped it out. There's yeah. zero it's all transactional. Nobody has done a single ounce of research into the podcast and and my delivery and things like that. It just um, you know, someone like if the email started off with, Hey Stu, big fan of the podcast love the blah, blah, like love a thing you've done here. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Like you've actually, yeah. you've seen something, you know, I'll, uh, we're getting close to an hour here. I want to be respectful of your time on this in everything you've done with the podcast. Now it's, have you pretty much, you've stuck with the same thing again, you're, you do interview style, mm -hmm. right? And your interviews are not, you're not going long form on them kind mm -hmm. of scenario. Do you ever have an itch to scratch? Like, I think that's why I've done so many different segments of the podcast. I know my video just froze here. Uh, you know, I did one called, um, I may be wrong, but I doubt it. My favorite book by Charles Barkley. He released it in 92. Mm. It's fucking hilarious if you've never read it. I may be wrong, but I doubt it. But I brought gym owners on who hate my content, do not like the things I say, and we argue. And I yeah. think that like, that was an itch I needed to scratch the long form podcast, you know, the talking to myself. Have you ever thought about evolving? Like, have you ever wanted to change things up? Or do you just kind of like victim of circumstance? You know, I like it this way. I can, I can refine it because I'm not changing it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, so yes, I think about I'm constantly tweaking and looking to change things. It's one of the reasons as a gym operator, you know, my, my, my clients are probably like, fuck, he's changing something again. <laughs> You know, like we yeah. just, we like it the way it is, you know, at the future of fitness, I probably won't change it. I love it. It's great. I've refined it. Um, it, it just runs, right. It, it can just run. And, uh, but I have so many aspirations. I mean, I've realized, you know, it's funny. I, I did some kind of, um, internal, like just, I, I took, I took stock on what I'm really good at. Right just not too long ago. I'm like, well, what, what if I'm, what am I going to do? Right. What do I love? And I'm like, well, I'm a, I know I'm a really good interviewer. And I started coming up with ideas and I started reaching out to people here locally. And I know as soon as my house is done um, being built next month, or I have this 200 square feet unfinished space above the carport. So I have dreams about where I want my podcast to go and where I want my interviewing skills to go. It's not going anywhere. I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. So yeah, I do have some big dreams. I want to create that studio. I want to have people starting to come in, in person, doing some yeah. really interesting stuff. I just don't know where it is. I had this great idea, uh, never followed up on it because of COVID, but I'm like, what if I, you know, every time I, cause I skied 67 days last year, I'm like, what if I just had this little interview camera, right? Where every time I got on the chairlift, I just slapped it on, it's magnetic. I slap it on there and I, I call the show getting lifted. And, uh, you know, I started asking these people, Hey, do you mind if I interview you for 10 minutes? And we have a series of questions. And then afterwards, you know, if the chair stops for some reason, you know, we get delayed, there's like bonus question. Right. And then all these things happen. So I'm constantly I love thinking that fucking, idea. I think it's great. Right? I love that <laughs> I idea. And I ski and I got my GoPro. I could totally see it, man. Dude, yeah. Oh my God. Do yeah. that, Eric. Fucking. Do I know that. I got to wait till next ski season. Oh, uh, but God. yeah, I, I do want to do stuff like that. I love it. And, you know, I would, and not only do I do podcasting for free and so long for so long, I actually pay to do it. So for me, it's just, it's a passion project and I know it's going to go somewhere, but I'm bouncing ideas around for sure. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, guys, if, if you have not checked out uh, the future fitness podcast, please go ahead and do so. I, your network is so large. The one thing I like about it, unfortunately, I think a lot of people that even listen to mine and I'm a victim of this, um, and they probably listen to other people's like mine and they, I believe the guest circuit 
kind of gets regurgitated too frequently. Yours, their names on there, and I like to pride myself, and I, I, I try to know a lot of the the people in the industry. There's always a name on there I, I haven't heard of, and that's always one that I want to listen to because cool. if I haven't heard of you, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're interviewing them, that's already given. That's the check mark for me. Like they, well, they're at least okay. somebody. There's somebody important that I don't know. I need to go listen to this. So guys, if you guys have not gone and added this, please go ahead and check out the Future of Fitness podcast. Um, Eric, brother, as always, it's always fun wrapping with you. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, this is great, man. Thank you so much, Stu. And just keep up the great work, man. You're doing important shit. Well, do, man. We'll do. Thank you. 